Welcome back, Brooklyn Nets fans. What a win. This was one of the best wins of the year. Top three win. Just given all the circumstances, of course, with Kyrie, like, you know, the news that came out yesterday, him not playing. The Nets broadcast actually went over it. They were without, like, $127 million in payroll tonight, I'm pretty sure. So, like, they had a lot of guys out. Of course, Kevin, Kyrie, TJ, Seth, um, somebody else I feel like I'm forgetting. And they pulled off this win. It wasn't just a win where they were battling the entire game and, and pulled through at the end. No, it was the complete opposite. I mean, the Nets were pretty awful the first quarter, to put it nicely. They were outscored 44-25 to 25 in the first quarter, 23-point deficit at one point, and they come back and win on the back of Cam Thomas and, of course, Edmund Sumner as well. Sumner, a career high, 29 points. I think it's a career high. Cam Thomas, for sure, a career high, 44 points off the bench in 29 minutes, 16 of 23, 16 of 23 for Cam Thomas, and just unbelievable game here. Um, you know, in the second quarter of this game, I'm just sitting there, like, just disinterested, kind of scrolling on my phone, kicked back, and I was like, this really sucks. Like, we're going to lose Kyrie now, and this team is going to be pitiful to watch, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen with KD after that. But, you know, we kind of needed this as Nets fans. We kind of needed this comeback as, like, uh, you know, like a little therapy session, if you will. So, you know, I don't feel as bad now as I you know, did before the game, but of course, you know, big picture-wise, things are not great with the Nets right now, but getting this win and, once again, keeping your record at a respectable level without Kevin Durant out, um, you know, without Kevin Durant playing, it, it's huge. I mean, they're 32-20 and 20 now. I think they're still in front of Cleveland in the standings. I think that's like the four seed still, so... Yeah, I mean, look, things could have been a lot worse, and this for sure looked like an L, for sure. But in the second half, the Nets had 37 in the third and 33 in the fourth. The Wizards only scored 26 in the third and only 24 in the fourth. So a big second-half comeback. Also have to give credit to um, to Jock Vaughn. I didn't think he had an excellent game, but he did very well for what he had. I mean, the Nets had, like, eight active guys. I think they came into this game with nine guys. Seth Curry left the game, and also Markeith Morris left the game, so they might have been down to seven, I forget, but yeah, they had like nobody left on the bench, so Markeith and Seth, well, they left the game mid-game, and you had some guys in foul trouble, I mean, we'll get to that, I mean, man, uh, Dayron Sharp, he, he must have had five fouls in like six minutes, I'm looking at the numbers, he played nine minutes and had five fouls, and was a minus 13. I, it was just terrible. I mean, Daron Sharp, you could see he has some potential, but you cannot play in the NBA if you're going to foul five times in nine minutes. I'm sorry. And some of those fouls are so bad, like away from the basket, just dumb fouls that you don't need. So that was bad to see. And and speaking of not being able to play in the NBA, Markeith Morris looks terrible. But once again, that's Kevin Durant's guy. He got him here. So I think he'll be on this roster unless they make some type of trade. We'll see what happens in the coming days, I think the deadline's, what, February 9th or maybe 7th? I don't know. I, I hope it's as soon as possible. I just want to get past this, honestly. There must have been, like, I think the broadcast said nine lead changes in the final, like, fourth quarter. Like, it, it was just a crazy game, back and forth, back and forth. You had, you know, Cam Thomas made the big layups. You had Monte Morris for the Wizards making that big shot over Patty Mills. Then you had Patty Mills come back and answer with a long two-pointer of his own. And then 39 seconds left, Cam Thomas makes that pull-up jumper, top of the key, right inside the three-point line. I thought it was a terrible shot when he shot it. I'm like, what are you... Even even that in the Patty Mills shot, like, they were low percentage, long two-point shots. 
Cam was like fading away. I was like, those are not good shots. And they went in. Cam, nothing but net. So Cam shut me up real quick. But Nets took a one-point lead off of that. Then there was this big play. So there was the big play of Daniel Gafford with the goaltending. And I forgot to mention, Gafford was in the game because the Nets got Porzingis fouled out. That was big. Porzingis was in foul trouble in the first half. I think he had like four fouls at halftime. He had five for a bit, and the Nets kept going at him. It was so smart. I don't know if Jock Vaughn told him to do this or what, but Edmund Sumner, Cam Thomas, those guys specifically were going right after Porzingis, and they must have got like six or eight free points because Porzingis didn't want to foul anybody. And then there was the play towards the end, I would say about five, maybe four minutes left, Porzingis picks up his sixth foul as Edmund Sumner, hard drive on the baseline, kind of gets hip-checked by uh, Porzingis, and he fouls out. Almost got the N1. But speaking of N1, so this is what I was getting to here. So Daniel Gafford, there was a play where Cam Thomas, he was fouled by, uh, what's the dude that looks like Joe Harris? Uh, Crispert? Crispert? I forget his name. But yeah, the guy looks like Joe Harris on the Wizards. He fouled Cam Thomas, and Gafford goaltended. But it was one of the weird, like weirdest goaltends you'll see because, of course, the big question with goaltends is, well, was it at the apex or was it on the way down? Of course, if it's on its way down, it's a goaltend. But this Cam Thomas one was interesting because not only did it matter about was it coming down, the question was, was it going to reach the rim? Because when he was fouled by uh, Kispert, I think his name is, um, Cam did like an underhand type layup. It wasn't even a natural layup. It was just he got bumped and he knew the whistle was coming, so he threw it up. And he got it close enough to the rim where Gafford kind of came down with it. And the refs actually called the goaltend. So that put the Nets up by two. And then Cam Thomas right after that on the defensive end up by two. Ten seconds left in the game. He made a very bad mental error. He had a knee-to-knee -knee, uh, you know, contact with um, Monte Morris. And that sent Morris to the line. But Mr. Whammy came in clutch when the Nets were up to Monte Morris at the line. If he makes both, the game is either going to overtime or gives the Nets a few seconds to come down and win the game. But Monte Morris misses both. And I think he was trying to make the second one. I'm pretty sure. I mean, either that or he missed it very slightly on purpose. I don't know. But he missed both of them. And the ball rolled around. It looked like a Wizards player had it. But when he was going up for it, it like fell out of his hands. Cam Thomas ends up with it. Out let the Sumner, he dunks the ball at the buzzer, D didn't count, but still, um, just an awesome win, it's like one of my favorite wins of the year, given the circumstances, and these are the games without Kyrie and Katie, you have to win these, you know, I mean, not not have to, but these are the ones on the schedule, you see Washington Wizards, yeah, they, they won their past six games up until last night, um, I think RJ said on the broadcast that the Wizards blew a 20-point lead last night, too, so that, you know, have that in back-to-back -back games is probably demoralizing, and I'm sure when the Nets were making that comeback, that was definitely in the back of their minds. Um, also, I got to give a shout out to Patty Mills. Like He was one of the guys who made this comeback possible. There was a time, I think, in the third quarter it was, where Patty made 1-3, and then he came back and uh, transitioned, made a 3 right after that, and cut it to like a 6-point game, and we have not cut it to 6 like the entire game, so... That kind of like sparked the comeback in a way. All right, let's go through the overall performances quickly. Royce O'Neal was 4 of 6, 10 points, 4 assists, had 4 blocks. Wow, I did not even recognize that. But yeah, Royce O'Neal, I think he had a pretty good game for the most part. He might have done one stupid thing. I forget what it was, but he had a good game. Joe Harris did not play much for only having like 8 guys left on the bench. Uh, Joe Harris, only 17 minutes, 2 points, was 1 of 5. 0-4 from 3. Yeah, not, not the best Joe Harris game. His three-pointers were short tonight. Um, and he had a, a terrible turnover. Joe, a terrible turnover. Like, he got... So he was short on one of his threes, I think. He got his own rebound, which was great. Um, 
and then he tried to make a pass and he like hit a guy in the head and then it was turned over just stupid um and even oh this was it all right so now it just refreshed my memory royce o'neill this was the stupid play i was talking about that i just forgot Royce O'Neal had a four-on-two fast break. It was basically a four-on-one, but I think uh, Kispert, I want to make sure you're getting his name right. Kispert? Yeah, Kispert. He was um, getting back in transition behind Royce. Royce tried to make a pass, and Kispert got in the way, and I think he stole it. Now that I'm thinking about it, it might not have been Kispert, but whatever. It's besides the point. Um, yeah, Royce O'Neal, just, it's a four-on-two, four-on-one break. You can't throw a freaking turnover. That was just stupid, so you have to get... At least a shot. I'm not saying you have to score in a four-on-two, but at least have to get a clean look. And he turned the ball over, so I hated seeing that from Royce. But besides that, a pretty good game for him. And he had a lot of uh, possessions guarding Porzingis, too. I think him and Claxton, although Porzingis, like, tore us apart. I mean, he, especially in the first quarter, he started out the game on fire. I think he started out, like, 5 of 5 or 6 of 6. 38 points for Porzingis on 20 shots. He did have uh, 12 free throws. That helps. But, um, yeah, he was destroying us for a while in this game. But Royce O'Neal did okay. For the size differential, I think Royce is, like, 6'4", 6'5". To, you know, guard a guy like Porzingis the way he did, I thought it, it wasn't too bad. He forced him into a jump ball at one point and, you know, did some nice things. So that was good to see. Claxton, he played 37 minutes. He was 4 of 8, 15 points, a plus 8, 13 rebounds, 5 assists. Claxton continues to get like 4, 5, 6 assists every game. It's helping out a lot. 3 blocks. He came so, so close to blocking Gafford at the end. And Gafford actually, you know, converted that dunk, but he was so close to getting that block. You could see on like the yes mo slow motion replay, he got his fingertips on it, but Gafford was able to convert that finish. Edmund Sumner, 39 minutes, 9 of 19, 2 of 9 from 3. A lot of open threes in the corner that were not falling for Sumner. If Sumner made his threes in this game, they would not have been down 23. They would have been more in this game, but he was not getting those shots um, from downtown in the first half to fall. He made a couple in the second half. That was good to see. 9 of 10 at the line for Sumner. Three assists, two rebounds, only two turnovers. Did have five fouls. So did Royce O'Neal. As I mentioned, so did uh, Daron Sharp. And Utah had four fouls as well. But Edmund Sumner, 29 points. It may have been a career high. I forget what the broadcast said. I think it was a season high at least. I think a season high before this was something in like, you know, 24, 25 areas. So either a career or season high for Edmund Sumner. Seth Curry played 20 minutes. He left this game, I think, in the third quarter. I'm pretty sure it was either the second or third quarter. And it looked like a groin injury. I'm not positive. I'm pretty sure the Nets um, tweeted out what the injury was. They didn't say groin. It was something like abdominal. I, I don't know. But sucks to see that because, you know, of course, the Nets don't have many bodies right now as it is. And you don't want to lose somebody else. But two steals for uh, Seth Curry, nine points, three of four from downtown. So that was good to see. But hopefully he does not miss too much time. Markeith Morris, I talked about, not much good going on there. Utah played a good amount, 25 minutes, one of three, one of two from downtown, made a big three in the corner to cut it to like a four-point game. Actually, I think it was a two-point game at that point. So Utah did his thing. He made, you know, some nice plays defensively. I think he had a big steal at one point, or he had like an, a, a transition pass to Cam Thomas that led to the dunk, uh, the big Cam Thomas dunk. He never dunks, by the way, so that was kind of funny. But um, some nice plays there for Mr. Utah. Patty Mills was 5 of 14, 13 points. So, you know, 5 of 14 is not great for Patty Mills, but you'll take the 13 points. He was 1 of 1 on the uh, free throw line. That came off the technical by uh, Porzingis, I think it was. Patty was 2 of 5 from 3. And Cam Thomas was even 4 of 5 from 3. Cam Thomas has been a much better 3-point shooter this year as compared to last year. And I think we've been saying this as Nets fans. 
is that if Cam Thomas can knock down his catch-and-shoot uh, three-pointers, he'll be in the lineup more. I mean, defensively, Cam Thomas sometimes has mental lapses, and it's not great. But offensively, that kid can play. I think we all know that. He is still very young, still developing, and he has shown a lot of, like, you know, bright signs or whatever you want to say when he's in these type of games where I meant to say good signs he showed a lot of good signs in these games where like the stars are out like that game in Indiana this year where um, the Nets rested like half their team and they were not supposed to win that game that was a nice Cam Thomas game so Cam Thomas in these games where the Nets you know want him to step up and make some stuff happen offensively he does it so it's been good to see Um, awesome to see a 44 point game from somebody not named Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving Um, all right so before we get off here of course I'm going to speak about the uh, Kyrie stuff Um, of course I made a video about it like 24 hours ago maybe a bit over that so nothing like that new about Kyrie but um you know, there there's so many conflicting reports about it. It's kind of ridiculous, but you have some people saying like it's not about the contract, it's the disrespect, and Kyrie won't sign here regardless. And there's some people saying, oh, it's about the money, and some people say, oh, it's about the leverage. Like I don't know what to believe. I really don't. Um, Woj did tweet out that the Nets are pretty much in talks here with the um, with the Clippers. I bookmarked that tweet, so I'll pull it up in a second here. Uh, The Nets are proceeding in talks as though they are determined to find a deal for Irving ahead of Thursday's deadline, uh, sources said. And that was replying to a tweet saying that the Clippers have emerged in the pursuit of Kyrie Irving, joining the the Lakers, Mavericks, Suns, and others. So, yeah, I mean, the Kyrie Irving return is going to be interesting. I don't know what they're going to get. I have no idea. But it is looking like a reality that... um, Kyrie may be gone, which it sucks. I mean, as I said, he's my favorite player. It would be terrible, but, you know, if you get good value for him and he doesn't want to be here regardless, then it is better than having him walk for nothing in the offseason. I personally would rather just play it out and, you know, have Kyrie finish out the year uh, as a net and see what happens. And even in the event that, you know, Kyrie wants to go to the Lakers, the Lakers don't have the cap space. They would probably have to do a sign-and-trade for Kyrie. So you're still going to get something for Kyrie regardless, even if you can get to the offseason. So in my opinion, it's worth keeping Kyrie. But if they want to trade him now and, and don't think they can fix this, then, you know, so be it. But I'm still not happy with ownership about kind of botching this entire situation. And uh, I'm already in the process now of making a script about, you know, typing up for a video of how the Nets botched the uh, most talented big three of all time. And I got pretty far into that today. It was taking up a couple hours of my time. But, you know, once, um, you know, once this big three eventually breaks up, which, you know, of course it will at some point, and hopefully it somehow ends in a championship, but it's not looking very likely right now. But, um, once that happens, I will definitely be working on that video because that is the the Nets need like a 30 for 30. And I don't know if ESPN will do it, but I'll try my best to make some type of cinematic uh, video about the Nets and how they kind of screwed up the entire big three um, opportunity with Harden, Katie and Kyrie. And of course, there was a lot of unluckiness and, and things that went into it. But anyway, ironically, the Nets are home versus the Clippers on Monday. So I wonder if Kyrie will show up there and be on the Clippers bench. We'll find out. But um, and then the last game before I think the deadlines on Tuesday night, right? Tuesday night, February 7th. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Sorry. Um, but we do play the Suns on Tuesday night. And I'm pretty sure by that point, Devin Booker is going to be back. So, of course, Devin Booker just has to come back in time for the Nets game. It's actually February 9th, so I was wrong about that. So, the last game before the deadline is going to be a home game versus the Bulls. So, 
February 9th, 7.30 game. I'm pretty sure the trade deadlines are usually like 3 or 4 o'clock. So by that game, the Nets will know, you know, who's going to be on the roster and who's not. Is there still a chance Kyrie's in net on Thursday night? Maybe. Uh, it's I'm, I'm definitely leaving the door open. There's a chance. But um, I made this mistake last year. I mean, you know, it, of course I got to a point where I knew Harden was gone. But for a lot of like, at this time last year, I was saying, like, I don't think Harden's getting traded. I just don't see it happening until the offseason. And, of course, I was wrong. He got traded at the deadline last year. And, um, ironically, this was the uh, one-year anniversary of James Harden requesting a trade, like, officially. So, um, yeah, that was pretty interesting to see on Twitter. But, yeah, it's just it's how it is being a Nets fan. But if we do get, you know, if we do trade with the Clippers, I am kind of curious what the return could be. Um, you look at the Clippers roster right now and try and think like who would be a decent return right now for the Nets. I'm going to go through their roster quickly and just, you know, try and spitball and think what could possibly happen here with the LA Clippers. Um, you know, Kawhi, I don't think that would ever happen. Paul George, it's like, it's possible. Paul George is 32. Kyrie's 30. I mean, maybe I like Norman Powell. I've been a fan of his game for a while. We can get the other Morris brother. He's on a $16 million two-year deal. I don't know who else is going to make sense here. I mean, I don't even know if Robert Covington's good anymore. I mean, he was good at one point. Uh, I feel like Zubak at center is not a bad idea, but the Nets definitely need size. I like Nick Batum, but he might be washed. Like, I don't keep up with the uh, Clippers. I have no idea, but um, it'll be interesting. But there are some names on this team that are interesting. You have John Wall, who I think has had an up-and-down season, so... I don't know, but they have enough salary to, you know, make a return for Kyrie. They have enough, like, you know, pretty good players to possibly get a trade going here. Of course, a third team could be added. So we'll find out what happens there. It's going to be a very interesting trade deadline for Brooklyn. You know, when is it never? It seems like it always is. But as I said, we have uh, three more games up until that point. The Nets have now won three out of four without KD, and that's that's awesome. So, well, not overall. Of course, they've won three of their last four. I'll clarify that. I think without KD, ever since KD's been out, so they started out 0-4, went to 2-4, and went to 2-6, and they went to 4-6, and then they went to 4-7, and and now they're 5-7. and So 5-7 and without KD, I mean, shit, I would have signed up for that. That's really not too bad. Uh, you'd rather be 7-5, and but yeah, it's, it's really not terrible. Uh, this is one of the few games this year where Kyrie or Durant were not the leading scorer. So Cam Thomas, I mean, actually a couple games ago, well, this was last week, the game against the uh, Sixers on the road, Seth Curry led the team with 30. I think Kyrie had like 28 that night. He was close. But yeah, so Cam Thomas, 44. Great to see. Um, so yeah, I'll either talk to you guys once a move is made. Um, I have no idea which direction this trade deadline will go, whether it completely goes around a Kyrie Irving trade or whether the Nets decide to keep Kyrie and, you know, see what happens in the offseason and try to acquire talent to improve the team right now. And, you know, I kind of hope that's the route they go. But, you know, I don't trust them regardless. Sean Marks has definitely not earned our trust in a while. So, yeah, we'll find out what happens here. I hope you guys enjoyed the video. It was a fun win. And I'll talk to you guys next time.